Down and down again. Oh. I got so high, left my frown in the wind. Oh. Hard, I tried, never try it again. Cause these niggas is lying again. Oh. I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire. Girl, in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't oh, find her. Shit. If they sleep and they need a reminder, this is for niggas who think we minor. What is up, everybody? Welcome to your second Wednesday show of the day and your final AEW September special show before we went to our normal formatting on next. Well, two weeks from now, I guess. <laughs> um, so tonight's show was 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 good. The main event was really good. Um, I like where this is going with the whole Jericho thing. Um, and I can and I would have to imagine they have a TV deal in place now because you can have this go on for a little bit before someone takes the title off of him. Um, on ROH TV, actually, not AEW TV. So, let's get some news and notes first, quick news and notes. So, we've talked a little about this, but not very much, and I've kind of been hesitant to, because anyone who's followed me on these podcasts the last several years knows I hate talking about personal stuff. Like, I just, it's their business, it's none of ours. I think this is just interesting, though. So, you have, this is after I recorded last, because remember, I recorded on Monday, uh, Friday of last week, because I, I was out of town. And so, um, essentially what happened was, Buddy Matthews went to an independent show, and gave the same speech that Malachi Black did. Well, Malachi Black has then, since then, expanded on his thoughts. And he said that he was not released from AEW. He will be back in AEW. Buddy Matthews apparently has not been released from AEW as well. No one's getting released. But they've been given time off to recalibrate, is it the words they use? And he has made comments, Malachi Black, about promises not being kept, which I'm sure is a, a mix of WWE and AEW. And he, the things I want to say about this is, because I don't care about his personal, that's personal life, his personal life. Here's my thing, and I've done. I've been very consistent with this. I think anyone who's listened to my show long enough knows that. If you haven't been listening long enough, then you don't know this. So follow me on this journey. Um, essentially, Malachi Black has been very injured since his time in AEW. This wasn't a WWE thing where they willingly kept this guy off television. No, he had a debilitating back injury, which he's admitted to, and he's been out. Now, in fairness. He has not had much shine. He came out a huge surprise, took out Arn Anderson and Cody Rhodes, uh, beat Cody Rhodes twice, then lost to Cody Rhodes. I still think, for as big a fan of Cody as I am, I still think that was a mistake for Cody to get even one win over him. Now, at the time, Cody was always the face of AEW. I don't think that was the plan at first. I think, I don't know what the plan was. I think the well, excuse me. I think, I think the plan was fucking Jericho to be the face of the company. That's why he put the world championship on him. He's the first ever AEW world champion. And so, here's the thing about that. As I probably need to hit pause really fast, and I don't think. Sorry about that. Um, 
tonight I just didn't feel like starting over. Like, you guys don't know. I've, I've told you guys a couple times. But you guys just don't know how many times I've been, like, five, ten minutes in. And I just will start the whole recording over. But this time I just didn't feel like doing it. Anyways, what I was saying was, I've been pretty consistent. You know, I have been consistent. When I say stuff like this, um, the booking has been not too great of him. Bringing in the House of Black, that was an awesome idea. Here's the problem with long-term booking, though. When you have long-term booking and things, uh, I'm doing air quotes, you guys see me doing air quotes, tend to work out as planned, then people will be left to the wayside. Like, here's my thing. So, I think about the 80s, when there was a lot more of long-term booking, right? You had very few substitutions. And, to, like, the first substitution I can really think of on a big platform or a big, big level was... Uh, Paul Warndorf taking over for Roddy Piper and him facing Hogan on, a, on all the house shows. And that's why Paul Warndorf has the, the, the atrophy in his arm this, to this day because he was supposed to have surgery at that time. And I think it was Nash who said, hey, I asked Warndorf why. He said, dude, I was making so much money being on house shows with Hogan. If I took myself off, I was never going to make that kind of money again. And, and look here, he made a choice. He's living with the choice. And I don't think I've ever heard him complain in an interview. Um, but the thing is, you, it's easy to say we should put those Shields towels on, because I, I, I agree, but let's be real, we all know what happened, but Tony, Tony Khan, excuse me, made it 100% clear a year and a half, two years ago, Trios towels will come, and then Omega was working, half his body was torn up, then when he got hurt, Tony Khan said on his busted open radio show, those trios tiles, I'm waiting for the elite to come back at 100%. So we already knew the elite were going to be the number one team to get those championships. So in that regard, I get it. But there's also been some questionable booking, sure. Um, I'm a huge fan of Malachi Black. And let's just be real, though. Under Triple H regime, he was booked really well. I remember the feud that he had, his greatest feud in WWE slash NXT ironically enough, was what the Velveteen Dream. That was built so well, where he was, where Velveteen Dream wanted him to say his name. He said, say my name. He wouldn't do it. Then they had this bang over match at NXT when uh, Alistair finally said his name. But even his world title run, he had the Jericho world title run. And I say that as Jericho's first world championship run, as we know he's in this Ocho run right now. And so... I remember I, I, thinking about that. I was like, man, this dude doesn't really, like, he's had it rough booking-wise. And so I'm like, I agree. I, I'm pretty sure he had some promises made to him that, that, that they weren't. I do think, though, here's the issue with releasing him. Because AEW at one point in time had the mentality of, they don't want to be here, don't let him be here. Here's the thing. So the WWE. And we've talked about that. This we've talked about this all year long. We've literally been talking about this on this podcast. Here's the problem with that mentality: you just let him go. Now you gotta just let everybody go. You just have to. You at some point in time, you have to hold on to some people. And it's reported that some things were mended before they left for their break. But just letting them go with WWE and. Losing their roster, I mean, that's not a good thing, right? And here's my thing. I get he's mad about leaks. Here's the thing. that When that Brody Lee thing happened where no one knew anything, 
that was a much different locker room, smaller locker room. And so things could be contained. Now you have people with relationships uh, with media, where they have their own podcast, their own Twitch streams, et cetera, et cetera. Just name a few things. I'm sure they have before, but just saying it's, it's bigger now that you have other names as well. And I still think personally, with Cody leaving, with Punk now gone, there are two huge fucking spots that Malachi Black could gladly put be put into. Let him take his break. I think it's smart for him to take his break and let them come back and then see what the landscape is. The landscape is wide open right now, as we talked about just last week, with the exception of the world tile scene. The world tile scene for the next six to ten, six to twelve months is covered. You have Moxley on top right now. MJF will be the world champion. His first title will be a world title. Which you'll probably have until Chicago next year. Outside of that, everything else is wide to fucking open. ROH is wide open. As far as, I mean, I'm not saying you, I can see my black in ROH. I, I don't. But it, that's wide open if they want to plug and play him there. Also, the TNT championships wide open. Those trios titles are now wide open. Death Triangle would not be those trios champions if it wasn't for the situation that happened. You can actually have them. The, think about the feud. That's been happening for almost a year off and on. The House of Black versus Death Triangle. What better team to dethrone Death Triangle than the House of Black? The House of Black have their number. I don't know how many how many times has actually uh, Death Triangle even beat House of Black and Truth. I don't, I don't think they have. So there's plenty of opportunities. I think this needs to be a wait and be patient type of thing. Because that's just, I think, cooler heads will prevail. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Let's get into Dynamite. Dynamite. We had the Jericho Appreciation Society celebrating his ROH World Heavyweight Championship run. I thought about something with Jericho, right? Jericho is one of those guys where you would think you hear eight-time world champion. You hear nine-time intercontinental, well, technically, what, ten-time intercontinental champion, right? If you include the New Japan Championship. Um... You hear these things, and sometimes you're like, "Man, like this is this isn't a lot of title runs." Some people may think it's too many. I've heard some people go the other way. I'm like, Jericho's always been one of those guys. He's never had a drought like a Seth Rollins has had. I think Seth Rollins has been three years since he's had a title. Kevin Owens five years since he's had a title. I just, I don't think Jericho's ever had that because Jericho's always been in some type of, even when he was on the mid-card, where there's the Intercontinental Championship, the Tag Team Championships. Like, look at this, always Championship. Like, he's always just getting title match after title match. And I feel like that's why he has the legacy he has. He just is always in the scene, always in the mix, whether you like him, love him, or hate him. It's just very interesting. So anyways, Jericho Appreciation Side celebrate the, the, the title win and they have that pizza guy there and um, Daniel Garcia is just looking so heartbroken. And we're going to see where this story goes next week, but we're going to get to that in a second. So essentially, Daniel Garcia is saying he's had enough and he's about to say he wants out and then Brian Dan- uh, no, Jericho cuts him off and says, be careful what you wish for because I'll have to take you out. And so... Brian Danielson comes out, 
and they try to make a tag team match, but they're not. Jericho Appreciation Society is not having it. So Daddy Magic and Brian Danielson have a match, which they have a one-on-one match, which Brian Danielson ends up winning after Cesaro comes out, or excuse me, Claudio comes out, and evens the odds. Well, later on in night, it's made official. Next week, on the anniversary of Dynamite, we have Brian Danielson, Daniel Garcia versus Jericho and um. Completely drawing a blank right now. <laughs> Jer- Jericho and uh, it's not Daddy Magic. It's the other one. It's not Hager. Fuck. I'm I'm drawing a complete blank right now, dude. Or oh, the person's name. Hold on a second. Let me uh, let me see. And I'm seeing breaking news here from NXT stars. But let me let me uh, look at this first because it's going to bother me because I'm drawing a fucking blank. Hold on. How is that even possible, dude? Um, oh, I can't fucking remember. It's a Jericho Appreciation Society versus Dan Garcia and, and Brian Danielson. But another match was actually made tonight in the main event where in Canada... And where AEW will be the, for the first time, Jericho will defend the ROH World Championship versus Brian Danson as he is on a mission to destroy everything that is the former uh, ROH. You know, so we're gonna see where more of this story comes from. I don't know if Garcia is gonna turn on him or not. Like, it makes sense for him to turn on him and, and stick with the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, I, I, I just. You know, I, I'm actually interested because I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen next week. I, I, I'm predicting that this is what we've been waiting for is for Garcia just to turn and go back to the JAS. But um, I don't know. And sorry, I need, I need to cut into this and talk about WWE. So I'm reading something. And WWE has announced that Gallus has been suspended indefinitely. This is obviously okay, it's a storyline suspension. Okay. That's what happened last night on NXT. We'll get to that on Monday. I thought it was like a real thing. I completely forgot what happened to NXT. Anyway, so the point is, I'm curious because now you have Brian Jericho 3 in the last three months. They're one and one. Jericho's not losing that ROH World Championship. I would assume, if I'm being honest, Brian and Garcia win next week. Garcia screws Brian out of the ROH World Championship the following week. That's what I'm going to go with. Anyways, moving forward, Wheeler Yuta comes out. See, I got that right this time. And he's he's talking, and he's from Philly. He's fired up. And I actually like the fire that he's been showing. And I like the MJF came out. He mocked Tony Schiavone. This guy is refusing. Speaking of, uh, not even speaking of, but the definition of it's my party and I'll cry if I want to is MJF when people say, we're turning you face. He's like, you want to turn me face, mother bleeper? Here we go. You won't like it. He is refusing to. He is refusing to go off into that cold night. <laughs> he is refusing to be a face. Um, it's hilarious. By the way, just so for the record, and I'm gonna bring this up, but I don't care. And I think enough of you have have listened to this podcast enough to know that I, I truly don't care. Um, Jim Ross had said on his Twitter, he said, "Yeah, you guys are gonna be surprised at how much editing you guys are gonna hear." 
dude, the crowd was saying, shut the fuck up. And they, they said it for maybe about 30 seconds, edited it out. MJF was cursing, edited it out. So, Soraya was cursing, edited it out. Like, it was a bunch of editing stuff. So, maybe they need to change their promo styles in AEW. You can't help the crowd. The crowd is what the crowd is. But there's something that needs to change with that. But um, he was refusing this. He was mocking Tony Giovanni. He was trying to go out and... Um, Yuta, and he gave Yuta props, and it, and he told the truth. Like him and Yuta have been wrestling since forever. I've seen one of their matches on Independence scene many, many years ago before they became who they obviously are now. And so they're gonna have a match next week in DC on the anniversary of Dynamite. So I'm looking forward to that. Jay Lethal and Darby Allen will happen next week as well. That should be a fire match. Jay Lethal will be will be by himself. I, I got that's a that's a Darby win there. MJF is gonna win obviously too. Juice Robinson versus John Moxley. Uh, Juice Robinson is the only person to other person outside of CM Punk to get a victory over Moxley this year. So they, they talked that up. Uh, Moxley and Robinson had a I think this was a good match. Moxley was busted open because Robinson kept uh, Juice kept uh, biting him or whatever. Um, Moxley won by armbar. Was I, I remember I was like I looked down at this to write something down. I looked up and the match was over. I was like what the what just happened? It was so abrupt. And I was like, what the bleep just happened right now? And then he sort of replay and shows him putting an armbar. I was like, okay. Like, Moxley finds so many different ways to win. And I get some people have, I, I don't get it. I'm lying. People have told me they have Mox fatigue. And the people I've been hearing from have been um, the people who watch GCW as well. And the problem that you're going to have now is next month, there is a world title versus retirement match at GCW. Where Moxley's gonna fight Nick Gage. If Gage loses, he has to retire. I cannot imagine Tony Khan's going to want his world heavyweight champion to lose. Pinfall. It won't be on television. It will be recorded. It'll be on Twitter. So I, I you would say that's not gonna hurt, but I can, I don't think Tony Khan will like it either way. So you guys might have more mocks with T because I don't know how you get out of that match because it's a street rules match. So, like, there's no rules. So I, I, it's just very interesting. Anyways, John Moxley got the win, but it just it came very abrupt. Anyways, um, MJF was sitting in the stands, um, the VIP press boxes, and so he's talking shit the entire time. Hangman comes out. Their match is in a few weeks. Hey, it'll be their first one-on-one match. That should be good. Hangman takes out his wall, throws it. Moxie throws in the world title. They're about to go at it. Uh, the, the the security staff comes in to break it up. All of a sudden, you see Yuta on, in the back, uh, behind, excuse me, MJF. MJF realizes that, holy crap, he's behind me. Yuta beats him up. Like, I love the fire, but also the thing I found interesting, the first hour of Dynamite was all about the stables. You had, in, in the first hour alone, you had a Jericho Appreciation segment with Brian Danielson. The match with Brian Danielson then proceeded to have Cesaro, uh, Claudio. Then you had a Wheeler Utah promo. And then you had a Moxley match. Oh, it's just, I thought it was good. But um, I like the fire from Yuta here. He's going to lose next week. But I think it's just, um, I think it's a good way to keep this going. And, and now you have him doing something. You don't just have him floundering since he lost the, the pure title to Daniel Garcia. Serena Deeb versus Tony Storm for the interim women's championship. Uh, Soraya came out 
and she was cutting the promo with the baby faces. Britt Baker came out, cut a promo with the the heels. Um, this ended up being like a lumber Joe match. Um, but I was watching this match, and first of all, Serena Deeb was so good. Like I know some people were like were telling me last week, like Dan, you praised Athena, but not Serena Deeb. I was just, I'm you, here's the thing. I watch Rampage, so I see a lot of Serena Deeb matches. This was the first time, in my opinion, since Athena's come on to AEW, where I got to see what she was made of again. And I just forgot because she was so underutilized. But when she was utilized, think about the career this woman had in WWE. She has, she's becoming, she's the NXT Women's Champion. I think she's the only Black NXT Women's Champion too. I could be mistaken there, but I think she is out because Bianca Belair never won NXT Women's Championship, only the main roster championships. She loses that title. Goes to the main roster, flounders, tears her ACL chasing the 24-7 championship, gets healed up, goes back to NXT only to win the women's tag team championships. Like she like she, like when she had a chance to shine in NXT, she did wonderful things, but how often was she there? You know, after the, the initial run. So I just forgot. But no, I watch Deeb all the time. So I love her. But while I was watching this match, first of all, these two have great chemistry. Steve is great. So it's Storm. She hit her with Pile Driver's kicked out. Then I said, I saw her. I'm looking. I'm like, she's on the top rope. That looks like she's about to try a Pile Driver from the middle rope. So I, I put my head I, halfway down. I look back up and say, she's not going to. She's going to do it. She protected her very well. Nice move. I like this match. Um, I don't think the crowd was really into it. I, I was watching on mute. But, but I feel like. One, if Soraya is just going to be talking for a while, that's fine. But she needs to be wrestling. And I'm not for injured people, you know, um, getting back in the ring if they're not healthy enough to. But if she's not wrestling, what are we doing here? But I get, I have the, I have a feeling, I have a strong feeling. She's close to being cleared, and did because they're her and Britt are pushing this too much. Like they're pushing this too much, and I just get the feeling that there's that's there's a reason for that. And we're gonna obviously her first match won't won't be on TV; it will be on a pay per view. So when that will be, I don't know. But I, but if she can't wrestle at all, I don't know what she's. I don't even know what Tony Khan signed her for then. In all seriousness, um, but that's just my opinion on that. Anyways, good match. The acclaim will defend the. Their newly won championships, which Keith Lee called out Billy Gunn for interfering uh, against the Butcher and the Blade and Private Party on Rampage. Andrade's group is falling apart, um, and they essentially were blaming Private Party. Let's say Private Party is going for a face turn and going back with Matt Hardy very, very soon. Um, so that's pretty dope. Ricky Starks wins a squash match, and it's good to see him get wins because here's my thing, right? A lot of times. We see people get these wins. We don't see people get wins. They get wins on dark, dark elevation, sometimes rampage. And to see Rick Starks even getting a squash win over somebody, I think it's big because I know he held the FTW World Heavyweight Championship. That's not a real title, though. Um, we need to see Rick Starks next year with some TNT gold. And, and you know, I, I feel like, because he could be a world champion for this company. I feel like just seeing him get these wins is very important for us, the viewer, to continue to connect with him. So, that's my opinion on that. And in the main event, Bandito made his AEW debut, challenging for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. The, the championship he technically never lost. 
technically. Um, it was a shame. Bandito's a great wrestler. And it's a shame that COVID, he, he got COVID at the wrong time. I guess there's no real time to get COVID. But he was going to close out the original ROH with Jonathan Gresham. Still losing. But that ended up being Jay Lethal in that spot, the franchise, with Jonathan Gresham. But he was the ROH champion last December when he caught COVID. He couldn't um, defend the championship. He ended up wrestling to unify titles at Supercar of Honor. But it wasn't really a rematch. It wasn't the same. Uh, we already knew Gresham was going to keep that title um, and unify them. But uh, this was his rematch. Him and Jericho had a hell of a match. And I love this match because... A lot of the moves that Bandito does, he does with smaller guys. Jericho is not a small guy compared to Bandito smaller than Jericho. And like that stalling suplex, he did it and it, he, it looked so, I, I, I was like, don't drop him, don't drop him, don't, yes, yes. It was a good match as well. I have watched a ton of Bandito. Like to me, the thing I liked the most, I will say this. In AEW, and I'm not saying they haven't done this before, but they definitely did not do this during the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, was showing video packages. Like for the Moxley-Juice Robinson match, we got a video package. I think it was a little too short, but I love the three-minute video packages where you hear them talk, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, we got to know a little of Bandito, you know, but I felt like you could have done more with him. But I guess, I feel like Tony Khan felt like the Philadelphia fans would know. But look here, dude, you have one over one million people watching your show. Now I'm coming from fucking Philadelphia. So to me, I I thought it was a little short, but I did like this main event. Jericho is not as small as he used to, he's not as agile as he used to be, but he still he still can go. And I thought this was good. And then the ending to me, I loved it because he stopped um the ring announcer from saying he was the winner, had the ring announcer bring uh, come in. He said he was going to destroy the old Ring of Honor, as I spoke about earlier. He ended up hitting the juice effect on the ring announcer taking him out. And by the way, Jericho ended up winning with the Lion Tamer, uh, making uh, Bandito tap out after he pulled his mask down a little bit over his eyes. Um, he said he was going to take out every ring announcer, every commentator, and he challenged Brian Danielson to that match. So I like where this is going. I think it's super cool. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So that was Dynamite. And um, I did, with next week being the anniversary, and I'm not obviously this is the last September of, the, uh, of uh, uh, Wednesday of the, of the of the year. I decided to just do this right now instead of waiting until next well two weeks from now. And I feel like my opinion, the top ten dynamite moments so far for me. This is only for my enjoyment. I love to hear yours, but I, this is my enjoyment, and this is in no particular order. I'm just gonna name them. Number one was the Brody Lee tribute show. I still think that was the best produced. Dynamite show from top to bottom of all time. I think that's going to change for me. Number two was CM Punk getting squashed. Because it was... Let me tell you something. When the match was announced this past summer. And I was like, holy crap, they're doing this match now? I remember vividly all week long being in anticipation. I haven't felt that kind of anticipation since I saw the first in-game trailer drop. And it was funny... Because the Infinity War trailer the year before dropped on my birthday. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is cool. Then it got even better with the in-game trailer, which gave away fucking nothing. And I remember seeing the screen up. Hey, this is for the world title next week. I remember thinking to myself, who's going to, Punk's just going to win? Who's going to, who's he going to main event? I remember just, it was, for me, it was high anticipation. And then to see Punk get squashed. 
and that be a part of the story, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of dope. Because it solidified Moxley as... First of all, it solidified Moxley as a world champion. If you would have had him just lose, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, it would have taken that Tanahashi went away. The interim champion had to beat the world champion. And so I remember vividly saying to myself, hmm, this now I now I I I agree with it then I agree with it even more now. Number three is last year, Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega at Grand Slam. Speaking of anticipation, that build, that that first Grand Slam where we didn't even get a winner, so we have more story to tell. These two went in and put together a 30-minute masterpiece. And for that to be Brian Danielson's first match in AEW, after his last match was a great match against Roman Reigns, it was just like, man, this is fucking fire. Number four, Cody takes 10 lashes. Cody will probably be the most on here. I think he has three spots. Um, but he had to meet these moments. Like, this mo- like I enjoyed the 10 lashes of Wardlow, but the story was different with Warlow. Warlow was showing he, MJF couldn't hurt him. Cody was trying was fired up, but he wanted so bad he was willing to do anything to get to MJF. And MJF just couldn't break this guy at night. He just couldn't fucking break him. And I thought just the emotion, the story that was told, Brandy coming out and hugging him, and the power of love and the power of determination, I thought was all fantastic stuff. Number five. Brody squashes Cody, the first original squash of AEW that came out of nowhere. Cody was a TNT champion. This is one of those pandemic shows. Cody came out. I remember watching Dynamite and looking and just seeing Brody destroy him. And all of a sudden, Brody hit his discus hilarious. And I was like, man, that's his finishing move. I mean, so big, so fucking naive. I was like, man, that's his finishing move. This match should be, oh, it is over. That was a fucking squash. And then to have... Uh, Brandy get beaten down and thrown on the ground, and then Dustin get dragged out by a dark order. It made the dark order feel like more of a threat than they actually were at that time. Brody was a threat, but dark order wasn't. But that night made them at all as a threat. Number six, the lights out match. Just the match that made Britt Baker a star. Uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. We we know we know they don't like each other. We know this. We don't need to rehash any of this. Um, but this night I remember watching the match and seeing the blood come down Britt Baker's face. Boy, oh boy, that was a sight to see. And then she loses the match, but she loses in a lights out match. So it doesn't even count. This only propels her faster to the AEW women's world heavyweight championship. Number seven, a casino ladder match. The winner gets a shot at full gear. Hangman makes his return to fulfill his destiny of getting a world title. He took time off to to uh, see the birth of his baby boy, and he came back, won the ladder match after a terrifying death eye to uh, Pac, and he wins, and we know the rest. A great moment there. Number eight, the first ever winter is coming. Sting debuts. This was such a good surprise. A, uh, TNT did not even know. And TNT said, never do that again. We need time to promote. A name this big, we need time to fucking promote. And so that was a really big deal. And Sting has done nothing but have a third fucking career now. 
He had his first in NWA, WCW, his second in Impact, and now his third in fucking AEW. Number nine, the Punk and MJF promo off. This was what we all were all expecting. That first one was what we all were expecting and more. They went 20 minutes going back and forth, and it did not disappoint. And I believe it was a holiday edition, as a matter of fact. And it was it was live. It was this feud came sooner than expected. But if you think about it, Punk has only spent one year in AEW. And now he's out. So we're lucky to have gotten that while Punk was still in a good mood, I guess. And number ten, finally, the final Cody Rhodes one, the final one of this one, the undesirable promo. I remember watching that. I had the TV on mute. Never forget. It. I had the TV on fucking mute. And I see Cody just getting impassioned and going off and blah, blah, blah. And I remember vividly saying to myself, man, that looks like he's saying something I need to be hearing. I unmuted it. I rewinded it. And I'd start from the beginning. And that promo was a promo that made him the face of the company. It made him a megastar. It's going to, it, this promo it propelled him to the WWE Championship, in my opinion. So those are just my top 10 moments. Let me know your top 10 moments of it. Um, please enjoy the show. I appreciate the support. Um, I believe this week will be the comic of the month. Let me look at the calendar real quick. Um, yeah, the first Sunday, uh, it will be Black Adam, um, a century because it's Black Adam comes out next month. Um, just so you guys know. So I, another plus another programming note. Last programming note here. Uh, remember. Next week, next Wednesday, starts the first of the next three weeks of She-Hulk. I've still not seen a second of it. I'll watch the first three episodes, record those, and then do my little idea, uh, my uh, reviews on those next week. After that, it'll be episodes four through six. After that, it'll be seven through nine. Um, So I will do it that way um, just because I think it'll be the best way to do it. So anyways, enjoy the rest of you guys' week. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. I am the Slow Chemical. Like, follow, subscribe, and I'm out.